Cheers. Cheers. To you. These are very lovely. Very to nice. You. This glass is really dirty. Okay. <laughs> oh, we should probably say, we should probably bag that the glasses that we're drinking out of Stanley Tucci has in his house. And you can find evidence of that in his uh, most, in his recent video of him making Negroni. That was really hot, that video. Yeah. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of some with her finger in her thumb and the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years stop coming and they don't stop coming. Back to the rules and they hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You never know if you don't go. What a watch out no shine if you don't glow. Hey, hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. All Socially distant. Spiritually close. Break the mold. That was great. That's good. We can still use that. I'm proud of that. For sure. Nice. Shall we? Let's. Oh, let's. Something to. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I feel alive. I feel like Cher's in the room with us. I wish. I've got so much to share with us. That's such a cut. Oh, shut up. God, always the punny guy, huh? Yep. Oh, wait, you can see my... Don't look at my book. I want it to be a surprise. How the fuck do you think I can read that from here? There's a there's a notebook in the way. I know, but it's a tall book. I can't see it. At all? Not at all. You, you're not looking at it now, so I can't... I can't see a book. Okay, you better not be able to see I can see the butt it. of a book. A book's butt. <laughs> the <laughs> butt. <laughs> it's got my, butt, right? By selling me a rug. Made from the butt, butt of a skunk. A skunk, skunk butt rug. You disrespected mm. me. Mm-hmm. You disrespected grandmama. Isom, Isom. <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> I told him no Isom's on my wedding. That's so great. Zootopia, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everyone, not our something to watch, but watch Zootopia. But watch, yeah. It's fantastic. Do you want to go first? Why the frickity frack nada? <laughs> the German, why the frickity frack would I? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to share this. all day. Okay, my something to watch something that I watched. Oh, oh, <laughs> clap, clap, yeah, clap, see, round it, of applause. It actually is deserving of accolades, considering you keep recommending things to our, our our listeners that you haven't read or watched. Keep, or do you mean last week? That's what exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm, okay. Just saying, I've Just watched this, tabs. loyal listeners. <laughs> if your Katie stands... Here's a little tidbit oh, for you. Oh, you sparked a fire in me. There better be some Francesco only fans, I swear to God. Obviously there are. Probably all of them. It's fine. Um, uh, my, my competitor needs to have more self-confidence than that. Sorry. We're going to have to beef that up. Fuck you. And also, fuck everyone who listens to this podcast for Francesca. It's Katie in the house. Hey, like and subscribe. Okay. So what have you watched? My something to watch is Comagua para Chocolate. Mm, what which, a film. Have you seen it? Yes, of God, course. It's good. It translates to Like Water for Chocolate. It was di- directed by Alfonso Arau and based on a book by Laura Esquivel, I want to say. Um, it's a beautiful film. It is, really. Really good. It's a big food movie, uh, which I really like. Movies about food. Um, it's got a lot of magical realism in it, which again, I'm really into. So if you watch this on my recommendation, you're like, there's stuff that happens in this book that isn't like real life. First of all, yes, it's a movie. <laughs> also, <laughs> I can't stand that. That's when cinema, like, baby. <laughs> oh my God. When people are like, I just don't even know what happened in real life. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a film. It's a, it's a, it's a piece of cinema. It's a, it's a, it's a story. Anyways, um, I really like magical realism. And Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who was a... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The way you're looking at me cracked me up. Um, who was a... Uh, as many of our more intelligent readers will know. Okay. <laughs> um, won the Nobel Prize, I think, for literature. Uh, 
I didn't know that. I think so, yeah. Wrote Love in the Time of Cholera, wrote A Hundred Years of Solitude, big proponent of magical realism. And he said, when someone was like, oh, why don't you write, like, fiction? He was like, if you don't think, and I'm paraphrasing here, he was like, if you don't think that human life is magical, you've misunderstood human life. Like, I haven't misunderstood fiction. Which I think is very true. So this movie is very much uh, like that. It's about a woman, Tita, and her two sisters, Rosara and Gertrudis, um, who live on a ranch in Mexico with their mom, Elena, who, spoiler alert, raging bitch. Not technically a spoiler, because she is in the first scene, so. (laughs) But it's about tradition and gender, and Tita basically is, like, not allowed to get married because she's the youngest daughter of the family, so she has to stay and look after Elena, her mom, until Elena dies. Um, But she falls in love with this guy, Pedro, who is a... Bona fine snack. Pedro is <laughs> so hot, although he's dubbed because the actor who plays Pedro is Italian. So oh, they, I didn't know they, that. They purely chose him for the aesthetic. They were like, "You'll oh, do." Maybe I didn't know. I haven't watched that since I was a child. And he was the boy in Cinema Paradiso. Was he? Yeah. When he grows up, when he's like seventeen. Oh my gosh. Anyways, um, but basically, Tita and Pedro love each other, but there's like loads of like family stuff that goes on, and it's it's it's. It's enchanting, hmm. is how I would describe it. It's a good escapism movie. I, it was a film that my parents, it was one of those things where my parents were like, okay, it's movie night, we're choosing the movie, mm. as they did every time. <laughs> but they were like, this is the movie that we're going to watch, because it's going to be good for you guys to have, to have seen it, basically. Mm. Um, although there were some questionable numbers in between there, this was one of them, and it was, I mean, I remember loving it. It's really, really good. That's a good choice, though. I like that. I don't feel like wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Said anything kind of mind blowing about that movie, but it's very good. You don't need to. Last and week also... I said watch how watch uh, how to train your dragon and just stopped there. So <laughs> you said what you needed to say, yeah. and I respect that. <laughs> I've also been learning Spanish on Duolingo, and so when we were watching it, I was being so annoying because they'd be like blah, 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 hermana, and I'd be like that means sister, hermana. <laughs> but like, I wouldn't. I didn't do that in my head. I'd, like, nudge Vicente in the ribs and be like, hermana, and sister, and be like, yeah, I know, I speak Spanish. <laughs> but, um, I was having the time of my life. They'd say something, and I'd be like, ah. So, I was like, turn those soft titles off, baby. I'm fucking... Anytime they're talking I'm about... I'm good a, to go. Anytime they're talking about a sister, you best believe I know what's going on. <laughs> well, I was going to say connecting to that, but not connecting to that point, but connecting to the enchanting aspect of magical realism. Mm. Not magical realism, but magical, as they would say. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I have suggested... I've been on a real adventure vibe. You always are. That's what Indeed. I love about you. Indeed. Every day with you, Francesca, is, an, is adventure. an adventure. So I have suggested... I've suggested one movie, but I'm going to name a couple others just because they're also adventure-based. And oh, I'm just thinking take the about segment watching. over, Francesca. Yeah, you just know what? I, it's, I'm fully commandeering this ship, uh, and I'm going to say... <laughs> I wanted to suggest, obviously, if we're going to talk about being inside and not being able to escape, Narnia, because we all oh, wish we'd have a wardrobe no. to just slip through to an alternate universe. That would be nice. That's a good choice. That would be great. That's a good right? choice. So the now first I was, one? And like, also, come on, sexy lion? <laughs> Please. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Never considered Aslan sexy before. What? He's God. You know Aslan's God? Well, he's smexy as hell, so... Real God, also. His, his voice? Come on. Come on. I find the real God very sexy in a way that he, like, cares for me, and it's devoted oh, to me. Oh, shut up. I think it's sexy that God, like, always loves you. <laughs> I love a man who's really connected to his emotions. Oh, my God. I, I can't. I really can't. Um, but I've also suggested, on the same adventure vibe, I've been really meaning to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy... Um, I know you don't want to do that with me, but Ellie and I will do that. All I hear in this house is Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. For the last two days, please. That's not true. <laughs> that All, is you true. Always, Cheska said to me today, she was like, I think you're really cool, other than the fact that you don't like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you said that to me in the Okay, room. that's true, but also... <laughs> Great, I'll just... Fuck me, I guess. I'll just sit here while you talk to our listeners about Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to talk about Lord of the Rings. Anyway, I was but I was talking to my friend Karis, and she had just finished doing the trilogy, and then was going to do the the three Hobbit films. Mm-hmm. Um, controversial trilogy, if you ask me. Could have been one film, if you ask Could me. Could have been one film. Um, it was one book, but anyway. Um, and then I was also thinking about the Star Wars, because I just watched that new, the newest version. I wanted to go back. Are you the person who hasn't seen the old Star Wars? No, I have seen them. Hmm. I watched some of them before, sorry. 
flying through your Sorry, teeth no, over there. I've seen them. I just was about to launch into like a really boring anecdote about No, no, no need. It's fine. <laughs> I stopped myself. But yeah, and then I was thinking, and then I got into a real dark place of my childhood, and I was like, adventure movies, but about the tale of Despero and the secret of Nim. The tale of Despero slaps. <laughs> Is a bop. A bop of a movie. I got read that book by my third, fourth, fifth grade teacher. Oh my god, you are a robot. The <laughs> <laughs> little man who lives in my brain and does my filing was like, ah, like flicking through them furiously thrown out there. Um, I always imagine him as like wearing a little sweater vest. And like whenever I ask him to do something, he's like, like the uh, the top, you know, the people who do the um, you know, what I'm talking about the dee 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 Morse code, yeah. Morse code, you know, but like the, the telegraphs, the telegraph yeah. people. He's kind of like that, and With like in my in my imagination, he just like he sits at like this desk, and there's just like imperceptible rows and rows of files behind him. And whenever I ask him to look something up, he's like just sat down for a cup of tea. So he's, he's like, like, oh, you. Bitch. And I imagine him, like, throwing papers over his head, being like, what grade was it? Um, See, this is where it would really come in handy if you'd seen Spongebob, because there's an entire episode where he's freaking out, and it goes into his brain, and it shows all these Spongebobs, like, going through his filing, being like, where is it? Where is the memory? Where is it? And then it goes so insane that everything burns, and they're, like, screaming. <laughs> and on the outside, he's like, duh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I wish I'd seen Spongebob. Yeah. I truly, truly do. Yeah. Anyways... Fifth grade. Right. Picture the scene. Miss Crookshanks in grade five read us The Tale of Despero, and I remember it so vividly, not just because it was a truly immersive and wonderful experience, and because, um, <laughs> I, I sat quite close to Ben McKinnon in my classroom. Ben McKinnon and the Ben McKinnon that you had a crush on that never had a crush on you? I wouldn't put it exactly like that. <laughs> Wait, the one, we, the one you talked about earlier. Yeah, we cut it, but yeah. Oh. I don't think he was Did mentioned we? in the Scott Heard podcast. No, he is. Right before I talk about Scott Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, that Ben McKinnon. He sat near me, so I'd struggled to concentrate on the tale of Despero. Oh, well, it was, it was good. But she pronounced chiroscuro as chiroscuro. And so when I came to do my degree, <laughs> ten... Cheerio squirrel! <laughs> ten years later, in history of art, I was in a lecture with you, and, um... The guy, it was that Italian guy who did the mosaic lectures. Oh, the most boring lectures which, we ever which had. Which is a shame because he was almost hot. And you know when you're at uni and you're like, and I I'm love mosaics. professor. Yeah. Sure, give me exactly. one. He had a little earring. He was Italian. I was like, you'll do. Very boring. <laughs> he said, Kyra's Kuro. And I was like, no. I was like, cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> spent fucking 10 years of my life talking to adults about Cheerios Kuro. I've never seen the... Secret of Nim? No. You probably, it's probably... This is damning, but it's probably on the scarier side for you. <laughs> it is a child's film, but also it's like that. It's you know what it's like. It's like that that's... weird Watership Down rabbit film you were talking about. Oh, that's about. fucked up. So that so it's not nearly as probably as fucked up as that is because I remember you being vividly adamant about how fucked up that movie was, and it's not nearly as bad as that. But it is like quite dark, not in its like. Well, a, a bit in its storyline, but also in its actual visuals. It's very, like, very secretive and, like, mm. it's, ve- it's, I honestly think it's one of my favorite films when I was a kid. It's also one of the only films we had at my grandparents' house, so we watched mm. it all the time. But anyway, it's another great story and adventure, and it also has a mouse rat, like, <laughs> I'm so recovered from you saying that the secret of Nim is too scary for me. Well, because it, because it probably, I mean, it's not too scary for you, <laughs> But you'll probably be like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be so dark. Something to read. Da, 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 da. Hi. Nice. Alright. That's a good song. You can go first. Alrighty, I will do. I think you should. So, I, in my notes, I have Keeping On With My Adventure Vibes. I love that for you. <laughs> Mine also has a theme. So. <laughs> with a glint of competition in her eyes, she says. That I just came up with. Let me write it down. <laughs> you hear the typing. <laughs> no, so I, well, I've already told you this. You know. Um, so I chose Dune by Frank Herbert. 
Uh-huh. I've yes. never known the name of that man. Well, funnily enough, when I looked it up, I put Dune by and accidentally put R instead of F, and another name come up. Come up. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. Another <laughs> name came up. And another name come up. <laughs> <laughs> I swear ye to God, I swear I really did. So I wrote them both down. Thought you <laughs> so me. I thought you could pick which name you want to choose. Yeah, no, so... Did you pick up the copy of it that we have on the bookshelf? That's the copy I have right and here. And who is it by? Oh, and it's by Frank Herbert. Oh, my. <laughs> but, yeah, so I... I really have wanted to read this. Not because I'm, like, a super big sci-fi fiction reader, necessarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is sci-fi science fiction? <laughs> oh, God, it is. <laughs> sci-fi fiction fiction? <laughs> Okay, damn, that's three times. After science fiction. After after the YA debacle last week, I thought I'd just let you have sci-fi fiction. So rude. <laughs> youth youth adult fiction and Youth Adult and Fiction science and fiction. Science Fiction Fiction. <laughs> My two favorite said, categories of literature. I love you said sci-fi fiction fiction. Somehow. Did I can't switch it out? <laughs> or sci-fi <laughs> as the intellectuals call it <laughs> as my <laughs> academic brain will tell you um i've never i mean like i've i've read actually that's kind of a lie if you count like dystopian utopian books as sci-fi which i assume you probably can most of them i would most of them well i say that as if i've read all dystopian utopian <laughs> Novels. Anyway. <clears throat> but stuff like 1984, while not technically sci-fi, has those kind of elements to it. Yeah, I was thinking of, like, young adult books like, uh, the, oh, what is it called? The Uglies series? Uglies, Pretties. Uglies, Pretties, Extras, whatever. And other things like the that. There was this book we had to read in school that was about, like, clones. Um, but you didn't know she was a clone until, like, a really long period of time. Never Let Me Go? No, it's... I don't remember... That's... That's... that's I don't remember the name of it, but I can perfectly picture this, the cover art, because it's, like, a, a girl's face halfway through the book, and then there's, like, a puzzle piece missing from it, and it's, like, quasi-blue. Anyway, anyway. That... That cover is... Jenna. Really... Jenna something. Oh, my God. I don't know what it is. But her name is Jenna, though, I think. Anyway... Off topic. I'm not really a big sci-fi... Well, wait, that was a lie. I am a big... Well, okay. (laughs) This is such a mess. I do read a bit... I used to read a bit of sci-fi novels. Science fiction movies are a thing. Are they? Yeah, but you don't tend to read them, darling. Shut up! (laughs) God damn. (laughs) That's so dumb. You can read, well, you can, okay, never mind. We'll, we won't get into the interdiscipl- you, interdisciplinary. You've, you've dabbled in the sci-fi arena, Yes, I have, I have. And you've I... stuck your toe in the swirling water. Okay, wow, this is sexual. <laughs> no, I also, there's this book I also read when I was younger that haunts me that I don't remember what the name of it is. I read it in high school, and she, like, goes out on her own, and manages to get to this like safe place in the mountains but then it i, I don't know I, it's a complex very complex youth adult book <laughs> <laughs> and i don't remember what it's called anyway and if for some reason knows, if this is ringing any yeah, i mean i probably didn't give you enough information for that one but in the same sense i'm sure someone else in my school probably had to read it as well ask I, scott herb <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the name that pops up every single podcast now He's um, a feature. <laughs> but it's always kind of ignited a bit of like, oh, maybe I really like sci-fi because like I don't, like I have this weird fascination with the fact that I don't actually remember what this book is. Mm. Um, it's like a lost parent. No, not at all <laughs> like that. Well, I think I'll be the judge of that, Francesca. <laughs> oh my god. Well, anyway, so Dune, I wanted to to read, but also. Now more so because I really want to see the I want to see the first mm. adaptation, but I really Tim want to see the new adaptation that'll come out eventually. I assume. Yeah, it's him and Zendaya. Is it? Yeah, Zendaya's in it. Oh, Tim I didn't Mate. know that either. Yeah. I knew Timothée Chalamet was in it, but I didn't realize Zendaya was in it. Timothée. Zendaya. Zendaya. I never know how to Zendaya. say Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, no, I really, and I, I, actually, I take it back. I really do love sci-fi. I think that I do, at least. What's really cool about this book, which I didn't know because I've never opened a page of it before, um, are the names in it and, like, the place names and everything. A lot of them are, like, Arabic and Greek and, like, other, I, I mean, I don't know, actually, that that's true because there's a girl named Jessica in it, but <laughs> Jessica actually comes from a Greek name, but anyway... Um, but other names are, like, very much old, like, associated with Greek mythology or, um, things like that. And I, I wanted to look them up to see their, like, correct pronunciation before I read this out because my biggest fear continually is reading things out loud to people. Um, and the Google, <laughs> the Google sounds are just oh so God. funny. So this is, okay, the main character is named Paul, and his last name is 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 the name of an ancient Greek household. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes from the name of an ancient Greek prince. So this is his last name pronounced in English. Atrides. <laughs> and this is the, this is the Greek pronunciation. Atridis. 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 Right, and then <laughs> I looked up. The name of the planet that they're on, which is, the nickname is Dune, which obviously is the title of the book. Um, it's called, in English, it's called... Iraqus. <laughs> and, and in Greek, it's called... Arakis. And for some reason, when I was pressing those over and over again, I just started laughing so hard. It really reminds me of that thing where if you type in, like, la 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 la... Uh, in, in different languages. In different languages and get Google Translate to read them aloud. Like, the Italian one is like, la 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 la. <laughs> Really cranked me up. I'm gonna... Right, here we go. I found it. <laughs> I love the one. I think Russian is the one that we were laughing at. Or just German. <laughs> that whole, that's Russian. <laughs> one more. One more. Here's the German. La 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 la. God, that's a fun la, pastime. La, if, you la, 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 la. if you ever need a fun pastime, that that is it. Fuck Duolingo. If I can... Yeah, <laughs> I learned all I go. need to do. Google Translate. Yeah, Jesus. My something to read is a classic. Ooh. And I mean that in the most conventional way. Warmly welcomed by the narrow arms of the cabin. <laughs> Ooh. Thank you. I like that. Um, this is a big old book. That's the name of it? <laughs> God, I wish. But I'm very forward thinking for its time. It was <laughs> this is a big old book by Shakespeare. <laughs> written in 1850 by a woman, so it would be impressive. Um, this is Wives and Daughters by Elizabeth Gaskell, which was going to be one of my books for book club for Left Field. So I thought, heckity who? let's share it with the world. <laughs> um, oh, Cheerio Squirrel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I say, Cheerio Squirrel. <laughs> So, this was one of the first classics I read. And when I was, like, 16, I kind of went through this phase of being like, I can read, like... <laughs> Sorry, Jessica, just... I made tea teenies, which is, like, martinis, but you make them with a kind of iced tea. And we don't have any ice, so I shook it over frozen pineapple, and Jessica just got a piece of pineapple in her mouth. Really good, by the way. It's so yummy. Really good. But, um, yeah, when I was 16, I was like, oh, I can read classics now. And this was one of the first ones that I read. Elizabeth Gaskell also wrote North and South, which is just a fucking belter. The Industrial Revolution. Coal. <laughs> that's our, that's your infomercial for this book. That's your ad. That's for North Industrial Revolution. Coal. <laughs> when a girl meets, meets a, a <laughs> Meets a boy. He owes a bill. She is angry about something. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, Wives and Daughters is really cozy, is how I would describe it. It's a big old book. I think it's maybe 600 pages. Whoop, whoop. Uh, but it's like the book equivalent of like a really well-stuffed pillow. They also made a BBC adaptation of it, which I'd really recommend. Michael Gambon, a, a king amongst men. He's what else Second he Dumbledore. Ah. Oh, wow. He is Squire Hamley. Oh, wow. He's really sweet. But um, it's basically about love and loyalty and family. It's like a big family saga, which is something that I'm just like, Mwah, chef's kiss. I want to see your drama. I want to see the betrayals. <laughs> Show me the dysfunction. Um, I've got a couple of quotes for you. The main character is called Molly Gibson, and the plot revolves around her and her dad. 
who, uh, well, her mom died when she was little. Classic. Classic. Uh, and um, her dad remarries a woman called Hyacinth, which should give you an indication that all does Hyacinth. not go well. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's her God-given name. So this is how the book starts, okay? To begin with the old rigmarole of childhood. In a country there was a shire, and in that shire there was a town, and in that town there was a house, and in that house there was a room, and in that room there was a bed, and in that bed lay a little girl, wide awake and longing to get up, but not daring to do so for the fear of an unseen power in the next room, a certain Betty, whose slumbers must not be disturbed until six o'clock struck, when she wakened herself as sure as clockwork, and left the household very little peace afterwards. It was a June morning, and early as it was, the room was full of sunny warmth and light. It's nice. Read me the rest. Fuck the podcast. I have another great. <laughs> I have another great quote from it. Um, it's like so basically Molly. So Molly spends a lot of time with the squire Hamley and his wife because of her dad's new wife, who is not super dope, and he has two sons. I think you can see where this goes. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Hyacinth also has a daughter. Do the math here. And she's a bitch. She's not great. I think she's a sociopath. <laughs> it's implied. Um. But anyways, it's all about, like, small-town gossip. Nice. another quote from it. Oh, a little bird told us, said Miss Browning. Molly knew that little bird from her childhood and had always hated it and longed to wring its neck. Why could not people speak out and say that they did not mean to give up the name of their informant? (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. That's great. It's a good, it's a good classic. If you don't like reading classics, and believe me, nor do I. Mm. It's, um, it's just a really lovely, cozy gentle read but it's got a lot of emotion i cried the first time i read it something to eat something to eat something something to eat something something to eat I was having such a good time. All right, off you go then. So my something to eat, although I'm sure you're all sick of foraging, but (laughs) my something to eat does call for some foraging, unfortunately. Um, God, spare me that torture. (laughs) Unless you have a very large lawn, which you are not (laughs) sharing with anyone, then you'll have to forage, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Unforageably? Oh, God. (laughs) But this is a recommendation and a recipe from my good friend Stone, who just made it recently, and the best part about the story is that they they made several jars of it, and they were like, oh, we'll like, leave them on our friend's doorsteps, and be like, oh, we left a surprise for you, like, <laughs> go pick it up, or whatever, and they were like... Only until they came home did they realize that they kind of look like jars of piss. Oh my god. <laughs> Which cracked me up. Um, so, so I'll have to tell you what it is now. It's, uh, it's, it's not a, piss. <laughs> it's a jar of piss. Go foraging, my lads. Yeah, no. It's a, it's a jar of dandelion jelly. Oh. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, all right. So you need two cups of dandelion flowers, just the yellow parts to specify. And three cups of sugar, one packet of pectin, and one lemon. A few things, if you ask me. <laughs> Do you ask a question? Can, yes, you can ask a question. Are we supposed to? Are you going to ask it or are you going to spit? Are we supposed to forage for everything? <laughs> forage your pectin from the outside world. I couldn't find any castor sugar in the woods. <laughs> well, if you're smart enough, you will. <laughs> What a challenge to lay at the table of the British public. <laughs> you can forge in other people's backyards. I don't know. That's in theft. Houses. That's called theft. That's not what Robin Hood would say. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but he's not here. <laughs> in any case, I'll just read word for word what Stone put. <laughs> Basically, get all the yellow parts into a bowl. Put four, pour four or five cups of boiling water on top of them and let that soak for 24-ish hours. So this is an ordeal, I will admit. Then strain the flowers out, throw the liquid in a pot with the lemon juice from your full lemon and the pectin, and let it boil for two to three minutes. Add the sugar and cook for another seven to ten minutes, and that's obviously at a boiling point as well. Mm -hmm. 
which they say instead of saying at a boiling point they say boiling duh because <laughs> <laughs> i definitely should have known that and then you put it in jars and let it cool and it will take about 24 to 36 hours to fully set up in the fridge uh-huh. and you can have your jelly but it's quite cute and apparently it tastes a lot like honey i really thought you were gonna say <laughs> a lot like jelly <laughs> and i was like well yes i'm not surprised mm. that sounds lovely I'd it like to quite ask lovely. Stone what they recommend one puts it with. Toast. You're not Stone. No, but I know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if it was nice as a dessert, perchance. Oh, I mean, fair enough. Good question. Good you question. know, like, you could put it in an eaten mess instead of strawberry Ooh. jam. You could do dandelion jelly oh, mess. That's a great idea. Thank you. That's a great idea. I also, little birdie, heard told me oh, that God. someone else had an amazing time making something. Is it me? Yes, it's you. Who's the birdie? <laughs> is the it bird, also the me? The birdie is you. <laughs> Classic. Bird of many coats and feathers. Anyways, <laughs> so I made uh, the lavender and honey ice cream from the Bramley Head recipe. And I'd like to say I, I live in a house full of dissenters. I made lavender and honey ice cream from the recipe from bramleyhedge.co.uk. And I can hear... You culinary prudes out there thinking, um, isn't the recipe from Bon Appetit? No, it's not. It's not from Bon Appetit, okay? I'm sorry. Pretty much every other recipe I make is from Bon Appetit, so just fucking... Sorry, this is a recipe inspired by mice who live in line with the seasons, okay? (laughs) Get on the vibe! Anyways, it worked perfectly. So basically, I'm not going to talk you through the recipe because I don't have... The time, energy, or inclination to do so. You can look it up. It's online. You can look it up online. I'll post the... Uh, Linkio. Yeah, with a picture of it. But basically, the thing with ice cream is that I've always heard, and I, I'll say that I'm surprised that this ice cream works so well. I've always heard that you need a machine, an ice cream machine, or you need to do this thing where you like put them in a bag with salt. Anyways. <laughs> that was me. It's two bags. Double bag. <laughs> I'm the bag full of salt. <laughs> um, but... This recipe was deceptively simple and low. Low? And low she hath delivered. Ah. Um, so you just basically whip some stuff, you whip some other stuff, you mix it all together and you freeze it. And it. Uh, this is going to sound stupid, but it's just like ice cream. And the reason I'm saying that is because I was like, it's going to be like semi-freddo or like frozen cream. I, can't, I did it in a lot. Ice cream scoop, perfect little ice cream balls. One thing I will say... Is in the recipe it says to freeze for up to like for a minimum of three hours. I took it out in three and a half hours and the core was still soft. So I, to be on the safe side, would do like freeze it for six hours, you know? Fair enough. Also, because we are not using a fancy technique, I've been keeping an eye on it. And I made it two days ago and already you're getting like crystallization Mm -hmm. in the ice cream. So it's getting like spiky. I, that doesn't bother me. I'll still eat it. But what I think this recipe is probably best for is if you're making small batches of ice cream to make over a long period of time, in which case, like, you'll eat it quite quickly. Or you make, like, a big batch because you're having a dinner party. Right, exactly. As the Brambley Hedge Mice would do. I imagine that is their intended purpose for the, for the ice cream. Lovely. Yum, yum, yum. I'm yeah. getting hungry. Lavender honey ice cream and dandelion jelly? What Who a bop. are we? I know, exactly. Too bad I can't eat that ice cream, but I'll dream about it. It's fine. We need to talk. We need to talk. We need to talk. That's good. <laughs> okay, this is me. It is indeed you. Now, when we are doing the following three segments, mm-hmm. if you are our listeners, think, hey, that's a thing that I sent in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Do you know why? Because we know y'all are busy, so we're going to minimize our demands on your time and creativity by gathering your answers and spacing them out. Look at us, being so kind. Who'd have thought it? Not Not me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, the one that I chose for We Need to Talk. Can't remember who said this, to be honest. Anonymous, then. As they're all supposed to be. (laughs) Uh, Which is, the thing that is stressing this person out is the idea that we all need to be hyper-productive during this time. Mm. And I actually spoke to a friend, a very good friend, a dear friend, some would say, <laughs> me included, um, uh, about this a couple days ago. And they were really stressed out about creative work and their creative work and this pressure to like be super creative in this time. Um, 
you know, I want to be a writer. That's what I want to do. I haven't written a single rootin' tootin' word of fiction. Not one rootin' tootin' word? Not a single rootin' tootin' word. Not even a word. Not even a word. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Like, obviously I've been doing stuff. I did my dissertation. But I think there's a lot of stuff. Only 10,000 words. (laughs) It doesn't count. Um... I think there's been a lot of chat, a lot of chatter in the uh, a lot of chit 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 chat in the uh, social media hemisphere. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like everything. I know I'm you saying, just mean to say sphere there, but everything tonight I'm saying is like dragged out of my poor tonight. limping brain. Sorry. So I've been thinking about this a lot because I think that there's a lot of stuff going around about this, and I was thinking about this yesterday actually because. A few, maybe two years ago, I unfollowed all the influencers or digital creators uh, on my Instagram because I just couldn't hack it. Uh, and, like, I have pretty good self-esteem, you know? I fuck with Katie. I think she's cool. Mm. I think she's all right. You know, I'd hang out with her. And whenever I look at influencers' lives, I don't feel that way. Because I'm like, how do you look like that, for starters, all the time? Obviously, they don't, but I think, like... This idea that, I and I say specifically women, but I think everyone, this idea that we all filter the imagery that assails us and is designed to make us feel insecure is putting way too much pressure on everyone. Mm. Because if that was the case, the makeup industry would no longer be a business. Right. Um, so I unfollowed all the influencers and I saw, I like looked up someone from Made in Chelsea like two days ago and she posted this picture of her and her boyfriend. And obviously like she looks incredible i mean obviously she looks so good and she posted something like um hope all the couples out there are doing okay can't believe it we haven't had one single argument feeling so happy and secure and it's like first of all first of all do you actually believe that like obviously no i don't but i just think that is so interesting as like an energy to put out there and the long-winded point i'm making is i think that people do the same thing with creativity Mm. and with productivity so i think people will be like and obviously, you know, we posted a picture on our Instagram today of the bread that I made. And I think that, yeah, like, obviously, if you're achieving things and you're happy about them and they're bringing you joy, I think you should share them and I don't think you should be judged. Hmm. But I also think that this idea of, like, all your time is labor time. Right. And if you aren't using it for labor, you are wasting literally time, the yeah. value of your time. Exactly. It's, it's a fucking capitalist notion, my sweet, sweet angels. Yeah. Don't take that to heart. Like, you don't have to monetize your time. Exactly. On the other hand, I was thinking about this more. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking... And like, I was like, yes, capitalism. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm a slut for commerce. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking that just as we all have love languages, mm-hmm. we also have stress languages. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that there are two sides to this coin, which are that, and me and you are a really good example of this. When I'm stressed out, I like to achieve things. Mm-hmm. So like doing stuff makes me less stressed. So like I'll like achieve one thing and then I feel like I can relax. When you're stressed, I think you're much better at just like Sitting in bed, chilling out, whatever. Yeah. I, I do I do think I do a bit of productivity, but only in certain vibes. Yeah. I am much more To be honest, I think we're probably more similar than I'm giving us credit for. Because if I do one thing in the morning, I'm happy to not do anything for the rest of the day. Right. But I think that it's important to recognize that people have different stress languages. And I think that that's something I wish I'd been taught more about relationships and stuff. Because I think it's so true in all your relationships. And I'm not speaking about romantic relationships. I'm speaking, you know, generally. Like... When people are stressed, it's normally not to do with you. And so if someone is, like, snippy with you, it's probably because they're trying to deal with their stress in a way that makes sense to them, and you are getting in the way of them doing that. Right. Um, And I think that just as I think that, like, rubbing your productivity in other people's faces is, like, not dope at all, I also think that if someone has, like, made a thing and is proud of it and wants to, like, post a picture of it... Being shitty about it is also like not dope. The thing is, is like where where are your what are you investing in people? Mm. Anger and mm. and and jealousy or just spreading love? Like maybe you're not feeling good. That doesn't mean be someone else to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. And I think like if you if the way that you're dealing with this is like reading all day or like binge watching TV or like you know pampering yourself, that's dope. If the way that your friends are dealing with it is like learning a new hobby or taking an online class, like that's dope too and I think that like 
society will make you feel like you have to be achieving all the time. Mm. But that doesn't mean that if achieving brings you solace, you shouldn't do it. Right. Just, like, live and let live. Exactly. I also think, like, at the heart of that conversation for me is what you define as achievement. Mm. Like, for me, it's an emotional state. Mm. If I feel better, I've achieved something. Yeah. Right? So, like, me lying down doing nothing is me achieving a greater state after that point. That's a really good point. And I think that's something that I need to do more is think about that. And I'll be like, I need to do something. And you and Chente and Ellie will be like, no, you down. You can just sit down. Right. And I think that, because I think, I mean, I think society tells us that you would, you feel better after you've been productive mm. a lot of the time. And that is, of course, true. Like, I, of course, we all feel that way. Like, if you've cleaned your room and you totally, you know, gone deep in, cleared out your closet, of course, you'll feel better afterwards. Mm. You're like, yes, I did that. Mm. But I also think that, you know, what you're, what you're, achieving is that feeling of accomplishment not necessarily the accomplishment and i also think there's scales of productivity like i think there's a really big difference between like maintaining a cleanly space and like reading a book you've been putting off or whatever yeah and like being made to feel like if you aren't doing a zoom yoga class every night and you aren't doing a pub quiz every day or and selling things and or you aren't selling things and you aren't like learning how to like trade stocks you're right. like like, I saw this fucking tweet that not was like... quarantining well. Yeah, I saw this tweet that was like, if you had this thing that you were putting off and you still don't have time to do it, you were never going to do it in the first place. It's like, there's a fucking global crisis. People's loved ones are dying. And anyone with any inkling of mental illness, like, is incapable of doing anything. And I also think that a lot of people who don't have mental illnesses are feeling depressed and feeling anxious, which right. is a completely normal reaction to the situation. So I can't believe that. That's such a, that's it's such also a like horrible thing to say. It's also like, that kind of mentality to me, just screams insecurity. Because yeah. it goes like, it's not enough for me that I've achieved in my own eyes. I need to make you feel bad for the fact that you haven't achieved in my eyes. Right. You right, know what I mean? Right, exactly. Because, and that to me is like, you don't believe your own achievements. So you don't believe your own values. Yeah. You know. No news is good news, but here's some news that's good. God, we're getting everything out of these sesame seeds. <laughs> yeah, and we're also cooking with them. Yeah, exactly. We're making more than just music with these sesame seeds. <laughs> oh, good news! Right, right. That's me. Can you do it in like a in like a news reporter voice? <laughs> well, Jerry, it's my turn to speak. So uh, if you'd let me speak, I'll go ahead on. And uh, I have some great news today, folks. So we just got news in that the royal pad- paddock. Oh, excuse me, folks. So the royal paddock's allotments has a month by month what you can sow, plant, and harvest every month. Imagine that. Oh, thank you for yes. bringing that up, Claire. Can I just ask the listeners at home? I'm sure they're desperately wondering, what exactly does that entail? Well, good for you to know, because I have done my research. <laughs> what do you like, Claire? Uh, I love how I'm Claire. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so, but on a serious note, I found this website, which is obviously geared towards the UK, because it's based off of the UK's environment seasonal rhythm seasonal rhythm exactly but i have a feeling there's probably there's probably similar websites or information online that you can find but this is specifically for the uk and i thought it was an incredible source of information we were talking about all these earthly things and we were talking about being in tune with your micro environments and the seasons and what's what's you know what's fresh what's being grown blah 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 and i have all these friends that are sowing seeds. I keep seeing it on Instagram all the time. They're just like putting little seeds into like small little that. plastics. Egg cups? And, and was that Egg cups. Michaela did egg cups. Michaela? <laughs> Michaela? <laughs> um, and, and it looks not only fun, but also just really, really, like a really great thing if you struggle with like finding activities to take up time, maybe. Mm. Um, or even just something that could be kind of meditative and calm to do. Mm. There are so many things that you can sow, plant, and harvest in each, each month. Tell me what. So they are. in May, you get cabbages, cauliflowers, sprouts, and broccoli, chilies, peppers, cucumbers, endives, courgettes, or for the uninitiated, zucchinis, <laughs> pumpkins, and other squashes. Florence fennel. Don't know what that is. I'm guessing a fennel. Um, Could be. <laughs> tons of different beans, peas, root vegetables, herbs, lettuces. Anyway, all these things to sow. And then you get, of course, the list to things to plant. Aubergines, chilies, peppers, Brussels sprouts, celery, 
cucumbers again. I don't know how you're planting and selling. Anyway, <laughs> artichokes, leeks, potatoes, and then harvesting. We said asparagus. We were talking about how Ooh. people are starting to harvest asparagus already. Already, Rhubarb, spinach, garlic, cauliflower, spring onions, radishes, turnips. Anyway, for me, this is more so just like I've always wanted to be the person that knew everything about their environment. I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah. But I, there's like a, there's an old man. Well, there are several old men in the village that I live in with my family in Greece, in Crete. And is he, it sexy papu? No, it's, it's not sexy papu, but I'm glad you said that. That is a different story for a different time. I wish it was. That would be the ultimate crossover. <laughs> no, this is our really, really, really good friend. And he, uh, unbeknownst to me, has like uh, some form of higher education degree in horticulture and he quite literally is like a man of the earth he can he i i would trust him with my life even though he's upwards i think he's 97 he's nine i think he's around that age Whoa. right and this man just true story uh a year ago two years ago in one of the celebrations in august which are always so much fun and always go you know way into the early morning he was there and my and my and my father happened to be there, which is really lucky because he's usually usually not there. And my our my, both my parents and all of us were partying and laughing. And Kide Zachari is his name. He was so drunk with like a couple of other his friends, so drunk. And I'm talking seriously, a 97 year old man, okay, so drunk. And like he was, oh oh my god, it was so much fun. And then it, I think he went to bed. I walked him home. I think he went to bed like. I want to say six. Mm. No, I want to say four. Four in the morning. And I kid you not, I didn't sleep. Or I only slept like an hour or so, two hours. I went to bed at probably like six. Um, and I woke up around eight. And I remember going downstairs and my mom was awake. She had went to bed earlier than us. And uh, although she does sleep like cockwork, so she would have been up anyway. She was up and she told me that Kirizakari was up and out in his garden already by, by 7.30. Even though he went to bed at 4. And he's a 97-year-old man. That's anyway, so impressive. That's, that's, that's literally who I want to be. Um, so he knows like every, every question you can ever have about what's in your garden, what you should put in your garden, what you should do to protect your garden. All these things he knows the answer to, specifically to cretin soils and the mm. cretin environment. Which is something I want to learn. So this website, which is really... Um, for people who have allotments in these, mm -hmm. this one is for the royal royal paddocks allotments in London, um, and it's just like really really good information about if you have maybe even just a like a little bit of room in an outdoor area, or if you don't, you can start sowing seeds indoors, and they have options for what you can sow indoors, what you can sow outdoors, covered, all these other things. Mm. It could be really really fun to do, and who doesn't love plants, you know? Absolutely, and I, I've always wanted to have that kind of knowledge as well and there are these books called almanacs oh i love almanacs so much which like also talk about like the wind direction of that year and like yeah. what the birds are doing and i just think this kind of knowledge it's not going out of style babies it's back oh yeah i mean almanacs are a chinese um cultural thing and they're like uh, like you every day is sorted for you whether it's auspicious for you to do something or whatever it is and they right? have like the and they have all and, these things yeah, yeah. that are so, and it's it's so for, for me it's so it's like such an interesting way to to situate yourself in the like on earth. A hundred, you know? I can you are, agree with you. You totally are situated in day to day what's going on. And I love that, like even now, like a new almanac for the UK is published every year, and so right. like da 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 da. And there's a bit in this um, book by Terry Pratchett, one of the Tiffany Aching books. Oh, Lovely. Where when she's stressed or she's lonely because her family doesn't understand her because she's nine and she doesn't know she's she's a witch and they don't know she's a witch, she goes and she sits in the outdoor loo and she reads the almanac. And I think building on what we were saying last week, I spoke to Isabel, um, one of our best friends, uh, on the phone yesterday and she was walking me around her garden and showing me like the plants that her and her mom bought. They bought a, a cilantro plant. Oh, lovely. Um, and I just think it's really interesting how there's this kind of instinctive turn towards slow living. Mm. which I think just shows that, like, a lot of us really want that. Like, we want the time to, like, bake bread and make new recipes and plant things. Go out every and, morning and water everything. Yeah. And be in tune to the seasons. And I hope that when this is over, that's something that I carry forward into my life. Is, yeah. like, I feel like I'm more considerate 
of the world around me and of the things I do. I feel like I'm more present in a way. Mm. Obviously, it's come at a horrible cost. Right. But I hope that, you know, the world slows down a little bit yeah. when this is all back to normal. Because I think that there's something really lovely about it and about learning these skills of, like, sowing seeds and baking bread and that I think is it's not just romantic I think it's like the way humans have always lived like modernity is a literally like a modern invention exactly I mean just I mean like you can go into so many things about indigenous lifestyles being the way for the earth obviously Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely uninformed and full of rage this one is from an anonymous listener. Ooh. You know who you are. Two, a two-part question. Lovely. I like extra work. A. Am I drinking too much? Uh-huh. And B. Should I be painting my toenails weekly? Now, oh, can I name this anonymous listener? <laughs> sure. This is my sister. <laughs> we'll just keep shouting her out because when we do, she puts us on her story. Woohoo! We love you, Alia. <laughs> um... First of all, second question, no, don't paint your toenails weekly, and I'll tell you why. Because toenail polish lasts for eons. If you want to... Says you. Look at my toenails. When did you paint them? Well, a while ago, but they're all scraggly. What have you been doing with your feet? Nothing. Jeez. (laughs) I painted mine almost three weeks ago. Observe. Okay, well, thank you very much. Katie has magical feet, and I do not. Do you have a top coat on them? No. Oh, my God. You do have magical feet. They are a bit scratched, but anyway. If you're painting with a top... Top coat, then that's fair. You don't need to do it every week. And if you're asking for aesthetic, not practicality, then I would say change your nails according to mood. If you're asking mm. from like, a, how how practical is it to paint your toenails a week? You got time on your hands, girl, but it will last longer than a week. Yeah, as fair. you know. Also, like how many nail near, near colors? How many nail, how many nail colors you got in your house? How many nail colors? Do you know? <laughs> but you could do little designs. We all come out of this hair hairstylist and. <laughs> Manicurist. Cheska cut her bangs and I just, Cheska just cut my bangs for me. And I'm just so desperate to do like a kind of like really intense body modification. Yeah, we're looking to pierce our ears next. We'll let you know how that goes. Mm. To the first question, am I drinking too much? Now, I looked up some statistics. Did you? And I'm not going to share them. (laughs) (laughs) Because the amount that they recommend you drink a week is not a lot. A lot. Can I just tell you a fact fact? From, like, a surgeon's point of view? Yeah. Uh, Not a fact, but a fact fact. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Right. So, technically, the factoid is if you have a glass or so of wine at dinner Mm -hmm. every day, Mm. you're fine. Mm. So, when you think about that, that's that's, that's 7 to 14 glasses of wine. it's binge drinking. That's the problem. Yes. So, I think, like, if, like, we normally have a drink a day... You normally have more than one drink. (laughs) I'm not saying that drinking, like getting drunk every night of the week is a good thing because obviously we know it's not good for you, but I do think that like... not good out of quarantine either. (laughs) Obviously, drinking to excess all the time is not good for your liver. Right. But like... I've done it and my liver's fine, apparently. And I think right now, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, no. I mean, if you're going to worry about it, maybe worry about it after quarantine. Yeah. And you know what? Like, just take a couple days off, see how you feel. Yeah, true. You know? Yeah, exactly. See if your body is like, thank you. This 